This is a HeadGum Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, So you're not, like, getting too hot or too cold or whatever. You know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it, like, doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But More than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful, and it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today. You'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode 262. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about culture, we talk about dumb think pieces, we talk about technology and the human condition and love. I'm your host, Nagin Farsad, and one of the best compliments I've ever got about this show, and I've gotten it from a handful of listeners, so thank you, is that the show feels like you're at a really great dinner party, and that's what I've always wanted to achieve. So thank you so much for that. Today, we're going to talk about quitting Twitter, about vaccine misinformation in the White House, Facebook standoff, and about cat person, because it's back. Today, I'm joined by, oh my God, such a fantastic panel. So excited for this panel. We have actor, comedian, podcaster, host of the cast with Rand Jaquise. It is the wonderful Jaquise Neal. Hi, Jaquise. Oh, hello, hello. It's so good to be back. Oh, How are you? Oh my God. Just, and and I, I'm good. And I'm so good because this, uh, this is a panel of people I know who've been on the show, friendly faces. It feels like it, yes. we're all norms on a set of cheers. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, you know, I've been waiting for that. I've been waiting to be on my own personal <laughs> cheers and it's here. And here it is. Um, yes. So also joining us, you've heard him on this very show before. You've heard him on his own show. Uh, shows many, many different projects that he's done in the past. He has a new special called Half My Life. He's also touring like a kajillion cities and and tickets are on sale and you should absolutely go because seeing him perform live is just magical. Folks, it's Chris Gethard. Hi, Chris. Hi, I'm a little worried now because you said this is supposed to feel like a dinner party and I'm terrible at dinner parties. (laughs) I'm really bad. I'm really uncomfortable. Lies, you're great at dinner parties. Uh, The dinner party podcast format, I think, is what you're really good at. (laughs) Uh, Maybe it's not not the the one that involves, you know, cutting up a lamb chop in front of people, uh, which can be really stressful. Figuring out how to eat cheese while other people look at me. Have you guys ever done like a dinner party type thing that was filmed for like TV? Uh, No, that sounds awful. Um, (laughs) Because I did one. With Ch- it was yeah. Ch- for Chelsea Handler show, and it was me and uh, Chelsea Handler and Reese Witherspoon and Common, um, and this f- uh, another person who's a stylist. I can't remember his name. I'm a horrible person. I can't remember his name, but he was fantastic. And uh, and it was just me watching A list celebrities 
pretending to eat and not eating. And like, I didn't realize in the beginning that you're like not supposed to actually eat. Like you just move <laughs> pieces of ham around a plate. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And so it was. You came hungry. You came hungry to the oh, party. And I they was all like, no, we ate before we got here. Literally got pizza. <laughs> yeah, I know. They, they knew what was going on. I had to get pizza afterwards. It was like, you know, it was ridiculous. Um, before we get into topic number one, I just want to thank everyone who's just been loyally listening to the show for so long um, and for, you know, joining me at uh, patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad, where we try to uh, manage all of your fake the nation bonus needs, uh, whether it's um, bonus episodes or essays or swag. So thank you so much. And I would love to ask um, everyone to just tell their friends about the show, uh, because we would love to just uh, be there for new listeners as everyone, you know, finds their new kind of podcasting routines in this uh, theoretically post-pandemic world. So tell your friends about the show, and I would really be grateful for that. So thank you. Uh, Now, let us get into it with topic number one. So we read a piece of The Atlantic called You Really Need to Quit Twitter by Caitlin Flanagan, um, and it obviously went viral, like, on Twitter. Um, And in it, she cites, uh, she says... Twitter is a red light blinking, 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 destroying my ability for private thought, sucking up all my talent and wit. Put it out there, post it, see how it does. What pours out is an ungodly sluice of high-minded opinions, sharp rebukes, jokes, transactional compliments, and mundane bulletins from my private life to the extent that I have one anymore. Uh, Flanagan basically uses the language of addiction to talk about her relationship with Twitter, you know, something that she couldn't control. So I guess, you know, we're, look, we're all comedians um, and comedians. Comedians are are big on Twitter. Uh, so my first question to you guys is, what is your relationship with Twitter? And did any of this kind of like addiction language resonate with you? I mean, so I I joined Twitter in 2000, I think like 14 or something like that, but didn't use it at all until Culture King started, which was a podcast I had a few years ago. Uh, so I was, so I've been new to it since 2018. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm always. Oh weird. yeah. That's pretty late, late to the game. All things considered. It is. It's late to the game. I don't know if I'm addicted. I, yeah, I guess it resonated because social media is addicting in a way that we care too much about it. But in the way that she was talking about it, I was like, nah, man, you got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Chris, what's your relationship with it? I, I, I'm in that tough position, which I can't tell if it's real or if it's just the excuse that all creative people have, which is like, I have to be on it because I have to promote stuff. Yeah. Um, it would feel foolish for me to, I, I, I'm coming up on a hundred thousand after all these years. It's like, feels like it would be foolish to just turn off access to all those people. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think years ago, 2009, I did a thing where I convinced P. Diddy to come do a show with me at the UCB Theater, just by asking <laughs> him on Twitter. And was, right, right, right. You know, all those years ago, 12 years ago now, that felt like very, people, it got a lot of press and stuff because people were like, oh, this is like this all access thing. And people actually pointed to this dumb thing I did as like, oh, this is kind of like tearing down gatekeepers and boundaries and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I miss that. And I don't know if it's just because I got old and don't know how to use it as well anymore. If it just feels like things aren't actually democratic. It's um, it's really tough because I sit there, I go, man, it's probably one of the most dangerous, worst things mentally we've all had. But then you also see, would all these different social movements that have done so much good have any momentum without right. social media now? So I go, I can't throw the whole thing out. But what I can speak to is that I am a less productive human being because I click refresh on my phone as often as I do. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and all I get out of it yeah. is empty calories. And the stuff that's most interesting is me being like telling my wife, like, oh, I saw um, there's a gif of a guy who saw a road rage gif. There's a road rage gif today. You know, like, you see, like right, the most right. dumb things that don't right. matter. That's the most I get out of it is like a three, a three sentence story where my wife's like, oh, cool. 
I saw I saw a bunch of baby elephants cross a road on Reddit today. She's like, okay, <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I mean, fish. and and Flanagan cites an inability to like read anymore, right? So, and she's sixty, just to give you a sense of like the generation that that we're 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 dealing with. And so you sort of you almost think of the someone who's like, oh, I don't really read books or whatever, as being like twenty five, you know what I mean, or something. But she's like a a long time journalist, like a part of the intellectual elite and she's basically like Twitter stole my ability to read books uh, do you do you feel like did you have a different relationship with like reading than you do now not only did I have a different relationship with books I actually my shrink just switched my medications um, I was having you know a pandemic I think anybody whose head is messed up the pandemic did not help and like mm-hmm. many I hit a wall harder than I have in years and I wound up switching medications and my shrink's really focusing in on a lot of ADD type stuff, which as a 41 year old, you don't expect necessarily to start untangling that. And my shrink asked me, when's the last time you completed a book? And I realized, Oh, I can't even, I can't remember. And, uh, every week she, she tells me to read specific books and has recently told me that after 14 years, if I do not finish a book, (gasps) she's going to stop seeing me. So she's forcing my hand because my te- my attention span. <laughs> now, granted, a, I, I have other excuses too. I'm also raising a pretty hyper two year old son, so that right. you know yeah. the reading time goes out the window there too. But she's not wrong in that. I I have a lot of excuses as to why I have not finished a book in years, and it's not good. Yeah, right. right. That's that's wild that she's like, I'm not gonna see you anymore if you don't finish a book. Well, she knows. just go get like a 12 page book and be like, I did it. I finished. She it. knows that I cling to her, and I try to tell her, I'm like, I got the Marvel Unlimited app. I read comic books. Like I just read Mark Grunewald's entire run of Captain America. It was over 10 years. And she's like, comic books do not count. They count. Articles do not count. I think it all counts, but it all counts. It all counts. You should I, be my shrink. It's so funny because speaking of books, yesterday I went to the Strand, shout out, New York City icon, and I I was like, I need a book that I can read on a beach in the like 30 minutes that I have off from being a mom that's like about dating or just something fun. And I'm looking at this guy that I'm asking, and this guy, he's like in his 40s and he's just like looking at this like 40 something white guy who clearly also only reads like Marvel comic books or whatever. I mean, you know, I'm totally stereotyping, but he just like had that vibe and he was just like, Oh, I don't, I don't know. Like he was like, you're asking the wrong person. It's like, well, you know, why would I walk up to him and be like, can you get me like a titillating romance book? That's like, um, suitable for someone in my particular <laughs> position anyway. So weird. But Jaquise, do yeah. you feel like you can't read? Oh, I've much? always felt like I couldn't read, but it's gotten worse. <laughs> um, right. like, uh, like I actually hate reading. I do hate reading. I, I grew up in a house where like my mom would make me do book reports uh, during summer vacation. Um, <laughs> so as soon as, right. as soon so as I got, you have a work association with reading. I have a work and, and like, I was always a good reader, you know, like in third grade, I was reading at an eighth grade level and shit like that. But I resented reading because it was work to me. So as I've gotten older and then became an actor, I got into theater. Uh, my extent of reading was reading plays, plays um, yeah. mm-hmm. which to some people is not necessarily reading a book to me it is uh so I read a lot of scripts and plays and things like that and I find myself now not able to truly sit down and like read anything because the time I know is gonna take uh daunts me I just know it's gonna take too much time I'll skim through articles like I can't like I'll be right. like, all right, I've read two paragraphs. Let me skim till I, I can it. I get, get to the it. next yeah, good yeah, word. Yeah. You know, so yeah, probably yeah. yeah, thinking that 240 characters at a time has uh, increased my uh, desire to not complete works of uh, works of writing. Well, have you have either of you done like a, taken a time off the way? So what what Caitlin Flanagan did is she gave her Twitter over to her son. And said, change the password and under no circumstances should you give me the password for 28 days. And she managed to make it to like 31 days or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the end of 31 days, uh, you know, she asked 
for her password. You know, there's this like funny moment where the son says, you should read this essay by Simone Weil called the On the Abolition of All Political Parties. And she said, and wh- where you see the word parties, replace it with Twitter. And then he read an excerpt to, to give her an example. And I thought this was a funny excerpt, so I'm going to read it to you guys. Uh, so this is from the abolition of all political parties, but you replace the word parties with Twitter. So the mere fact that Twitter exists today is not in itself sufficient a reason for us to preserve it. The only legitimate reason for preserving anything is its goodness. The evils of Twitter are all too evident. Therefore, the problem that she uh, that should be examined is this. Does it contain enough good to compensate for its evils and make its preservation desirable? <laughs> so I guess, do you feel like it contains enough good? I mean, Chris, mentioned some of the social movements. We could talk about Tahrir Square, you know what I mean? We could talk about um, even uh, some of the the Green Revolution in Iran. Um, does it contain enough good to compensate for the I evils? mean, to me, uh, to me personally, I think is is a one-to-one uh, because what makes Twitter good is what also makes it evil and it's us. <laughs> like, to be completely <laughs> honest, it's right, us. Right, like, right, right. We suck and we also... Uh, are good, you know. So right. They, uh, so I mean, it, that uh, your argument though is a little bit of guns don't kill people, people kill that's true. people. That's true. You know what I mean? That's true. So, and guns I do kill know. people. But here's what here's why I say that because I think Twitter can be what you a lot of times can be what you want it to be in a way that if. I want it if I want it to be something where I'm literally arguing with people and doing all this stuff, then yeah, I can do that. But if I decide I'm not wasting my time like arguing with people in my mentions, I'll mute people, I'll block people, I'll do all the things to preserve the space in the way that I want it. And if I'm getting tired of it, then like it's up to me to kind of also put it down right right but then there are parts of it that are funny as well from and it's all the same you know like the memes and black twitter is funny and things like that so you know it's hard for me to say like one outweighs the other because i i always look at it as it's a complete package and if i'm gonna be on it then i have to know that the good is gonna come with the bad so like i i guess i just don't look at it in a way of uh you know, does the good things on Twitter outweigh or underweigh the parts that make Twitter annoying? But I know that's not everybody. Like Edgar, for instance, was my co-host on Culture Kings, and he would go on Reddit and read reviews of the show. And I'm just like, and he would get mad. And I'm like, bro, don't do it. Stop going. Right. <laughs> like, stop doing that <laughs> right. to yourself. Like, right, right, right. You are I mean, doing it to yourself. Like- it's, but the whole thing is designed to create a situation in which we start losing our self-control. So, True. Chris, have you ever taken any significant time off of this shit? I and have. Did you, were you, did you, did you, were you itching like an addict well, when you did? Here's, there's a couple things I'll say is like, one, I actually really agree with what Jakish just said outside of the fact that I know there are like Russian teenagers being paid to stir shit up. And that. and that it's it's not a there's no there's not enough accountability for me to feel like it's real. Like I don't love that that there's people who make a lot of money off of my anguish and me getting angry or scared. I don't like yeah. that that they get you know that Mark Zuckerberg's lining his pockets by pissing off my 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 weird aunts. You know what I mean? Like my cousins with nothing better to do. I don't like that there's like fake actors. I don't like that the movements I agree with also. Right. You get the people who are signing up and saying, I'm part of Black Lives Matter or I'm part of Me Too or Time's Up. And then you find out, oh, no, that's like a 38 year old Russian guy being paid by some weird agency to make that organization look awful, actually, is what's happening. Mm -hmm. So as long as there's no accountability and the billionaires can keep making money, that's where the apple's kind of rotten to me. As far as my time off, I know that when I hit a wall last year, I did actually take some some big steps, which is, uh, one, I deleted my Reddit account. I was getting myself into that trap that your co-host was of reading too much about myself. Mm-hmm. And that really true, sad state of the human condition, which is I've been doing this comedy thing for 21 years Yeah, <laughs> and I have a mortgage. I had my own TV show for a while. I've written three books. I had an HBO special. That was all before I was 40. I did all that stuff. So objectively, 
I know that I've had some success. I can be termed a successful person. Like if, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, I got a cool obituary. I like that. But the problem with all these things is that the good feedback becomes static and it's the one dickhead who gets through to me. Right. And that's yeah. where it's unhealthy, right. right? Like right. I can get a bunch of DMs on Instagram in that secret folder where you have to check it, which I do. And people go, I watched your HBO special and it it really helped me through some hard times and this and that. And that stuff feels nice. But then I can find one anonymous person on Reddit going like, this whiny crybaby is a fake comedian. And that's the one I sit and see that you for remember. four days straight. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was getting mm-hmm. very, very obsessive, very out of control with me. I think a yeah. lot of us too realized the the level this was at in the pandemic because like we didn't have our regular routines that correct that. I, I wasn't able to go on stage and get the dopamine kickback. I wasn't yeah. able to go do a 20 minute comedy set somewhere in Brooklyn where I know that I'm like, there's certain, you know, there's certain venues in Brooklyn where I know I can go there and I'm probably going to have a pretty good time and the crowd's going to make me feel real good about myself. Those are my people. Right, I don't right, right. only right. do the easy rooms, but if I want to feel good, I can. If I want to forget about, you know, you know, 42069 Reddit monster, whatever his dumb internet handle is, I can. So I erased my name on Reddit. So even when I'm tempted to look at it, I cannot interact. Um, and my name was my name on it. So that now, like, I can't. Like, it's not, I can't, my name can't exist. That's done. That's been deleted. No one can have that account anymore. Um, And then I set my phone to have a 15 minute limit for social media every day. So in my mind, I go, that that is enough time where if, if I have to plug a podcast episode. Like Fake the Nation, for example. There you go. Hey, everybody. (laughs) If if I have to put my stories that, that, you know, if I have to add it to my stories that you put me in your stories. If I have to try to push ticket sales for a particular city coming up, you know, and let people know that at chrisgeth.com there's tickets for 20 cities coming up between now and then, it's 2021. <laughs> I feel like within, if I have a to-do list, I can sit down and in 15 minutes I can do that to-do list. And I will say I'm pretty bad about ignoring that time limit. It gives you the option to ignore it. I'm pretty bad about that. But um, it, it at least lets me know okay you are officially wasting time this is a yeah. this is now a choice this is now a choice right yeah and that's how it feels to me it's it's not so like i look at it as all right like twitter is going to exist the good and the bad like i need to make the decision to like navigate it in a way that it is the most healthy for me right yeah and and the one thing the only thing i hate about twitter and social media to in general but mostly twitter uh, is that it has given people not only parasocial um, access to you, but gives them the idea that they have instant access to you <laughs> all the time. Right, right. And that's the stuff that I, I personally like need a break from is the instant access that people feel like they are deserved to you. And I, I, the thing that I sort of think I would love for me to have a break from and everyone to have a break from is the like need for validation and the constant mm. refreshing, you know, because we can sit here as comedians and talk about how we use it professionally and that's not really relatable. But I think what is relatable is if you post a thing, you wonder if anyone's going to retweet it. And I yeah. think that's across the board. Everybody wants that. Everybody wants that no matter who they are, a comedian or or not. And uh, and that sucks. I it hate does. that yearning. I hate that yearning so much. And so I think like the the times when I'm most proud of myself is like I have an idea for a tweet, which by the way, the past four weeks or something, I've had basically no ideas for tweets. Just I hey audience, I know if you've noticed, I know I know that it, I haven't. But um, but I uh, the best the best I ever feel about myself as an adult is when I could post a tweet and then not check how it's doing. Like mm-hmm. a tweet that I think is like, oh, this is funny. This will do this will do some business and then just fucking walk away and be like, oh, I didn't check. And then like, you know, 12 hours later, I'm like, oh, what did that? Oh, my God. Is there some weird tweets on that? I didn't know because I was so good. I didn't check. Um, well, folks, let me know what is your relationship. I found this article just like the addiction language would be really interesting and funny and actually the piece is really is quite funny uh so check it out it's um it's it's again it's called you need to quit twitter um 
And uh, you really need to quit Twitter by Caitlin Flanagan in the Atlantic. Folks, uh, we need to take a break. And we need to hear from our sponsors, who we love. They keep the lights on here at Fake the Nation. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about other things. Today's show is sponsored by Pros. This is kind of, I feel like, you know, I'm on some sort of Lord of the Rings journey trying to figure out skincare. And I feel like this customized skincare line is really got my name on it. Basically, every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skincare, I tried the skincare just recently, is made to order and it's personalized. It's got a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs, like specifically you. And then the way they do it is you take this great, like in-depth quiz, basically. They analyze over 80 factors for a complete view of your life, your beauty goals, Um, Like I have oily skin that's also dry, which is just a fun little conundrum. I live in New York City. Like we've got these four seasons. My my face gets weird during seasonal shifts. Um, I all of these things I got to kind of talk about in like in answering the questions. Um, The other fun thing was they asked us at the end, like, do you like a creamy type of moisturizer or like a less creamy kind? And I was kind of like, I think like less creamy. And they were like, that's fine. Like you can do that, but we think for your skin type, creamier is better. And I never knew that. So I love that there's so much kind of personal information that goes into creating this. I got my stuff in the mail very quickly after I got a wonderful serum. Like I said, this very creamy moisturizer. Um, And this also very just delectably creamy cleanser that just kind of feel like I, I think it's possible that I've been washing my face with just like harsh, harshness for like many years because when I saw this cleanser I was like oh is this what it's supposed to feel like it's supposed to feel like a little bit of a delight on my face that's not what I've been doing so I don't know guys and here's the thing you don't have to take my word for it in a third-party double-blind dermatologist supervised controlled clinical study um, which is like the gold standard for research studies Pros prove that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives, which just sort of totally makes sense on a just logical level if you think about it. Just it makes common sense. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering my listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% of your first subscription order at pros.com slash Fake the nation um, will be taken off. That's pros.com slash fake the nation. You get your free consultation and 50% off your one of a kind formulas. Uh, again, that's pros.com slash fake the nation. Go and get your just super personalized, luxurious skincare products and hair care products. That's what I'm going to try next. So pros.com slash fake the nation. I am the type of person that has subscribed to things, and I have forgotten about those things. I have paid twice for a children's educational app, and I didn't know that I was paying twice for several months. Until that is, I discovered Rocket Money, and because I use Rocket Money, it just showed up all these things. The thing that I was paying twice for that made me incredibly angry, thank God, Rocket Money ended that for me. It also cancels the subscription for you, so you don't have to like go through the hassle of going to that site and figuring out how to cancel. They actually make canceling very difficult. I don't know if any of you have had the experience, but I have been on a like a roundabout eight exit nightmare trying to unsubscribe to something before. Rocket money eliminates that hassle. It also alerts you to an increase in subscription price. And this is something Rocket Money did for me. It negotiates a lower price for something you already subscribe to. So like for my cable bill, it got me a lower price. And I was very happy about that. Nearly 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about, which makes me feel better because I'm one of them. But it makes me feel terrible because what are we doing? Losing that money. Uh, I don't want to waste that money. And I know you don't want to waste that money. If you struggle 
with these kinds of purchases, if you struggle with finances in general, Rocket Money will help you with the budgeting, help you track your expenses, help you, like I said, cancel those unwanted subscription. It's a personal finance app that finds and cancels unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps you lower your bills so you can get back to saving. I mean, me and my husband have been on the warpath and rocket money has been a really big part of that. It has over 5 million users with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. The average member has saved up to $740 a year using the app's features, which is, I mean, that tracks for me. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions. Go to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Save the money at rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. And we are back and we're ready for topic number two. So the White House has been warning that basically 12 people are responsible for the entire world of misinformation um, about vaccines and vaccine hesitancy. Um, and there was a, basically a study that found that a lot of vaccine hesitant people are getting their information from Facebook. So Biden the other day went so far to say that Facebook is killing people Um by not handling this misinformation. And Facebook was so offended, uh, and they wrote a real, a real uh, intense blog post about it. Uh, and then Biden had to like tame his statement uh, that's basically like, well, Facebook is like sharing the, you know, providing a platform for these people that are providing misinformation, and those people's misinformation is killing people. Okay, so we walked it back a little bit. There was this little Facebook White House standoff. Um, what is the vaccine misinformation and like, what is Facebook's responsibility towards it? I mean, have you just anecdotally, have you heard of people kind of spewing vaccine misinformation just to you, friends, family, has any of that reared its head in your life? Yeah, I have, um, one person in my circle and I will be vague about this, Mm. but one person who, uh, it started out with some like, hey, if you're not into getting vaccines, I'm not going to like judge you or be mad at you. Your medical choices are yours. And it was kind of like, her. It, okay. <laughs> and then right, it just right. became very clear of, oh, you're an anti-vaxxer now. And you're like my age. And what are you doing? What are you doing? And it, it, it really <laughs> it bummed me out. It it, it it bummed me out for a few reasons. One, like many of these, uh, like the people on Fox News who all got the vaccine themselves and then s- spread it. Like, actually, I think it's mandated at Insanity. Fox. Of course it is. You have to have the vaccine this, yeah. at Fox. This person so in my that's life, what's really fucking angry. This person yeah. in my life is in a financial position where I'm like, you're never going to have to go to a public hospital. Like, ne- There's right. no world in which you have to to go you 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 have means by which you would be brought to the right. most high level facility that could treat a person that drives me nuts the fact that one of these dozen people is a kennedy is for some reason right. so infuriating especially yeah. as like someone who comes from a family the the fact that irish like my grandparents are from ireland and the idea that Irish Catholics went from being like a put upon people like within their lifetime to now it's like they're the architects of Trumpism and a Kennedy is one of the top 12 anti-vaxxers yeah. in the world. It's, it's like, by the way, it's what? it's Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. who is the anti-vaxxer. Uh, and it is bizarre. Bizarre. Um, yeah. Who's yeah. done more between him and then you hear names like O'Reilly and Bannon and Hannity. I'm like, these goddamn Irish Catholics need to shut the fuck up. What happened? Shut up. It's been like a generation, in like a generational switch, we became the All most. All of damaging. whom have uh, uh, Hannity and. Um you know, uh, anyone, like you said, on Fox, all of whom have the vaccine. Yeah, they have it. And that's, that's what I don't get about it is you are like a lot of these. First of all, Facebook is. It, it, it cracks me up that Mark Zuckerberg pretends like to be so offended. It's like, bro, you know what you're doing. You you know what you're doing. You know yeah. what your platform is doing. Uh, you know, like like stop the bullshit. We 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 know what's up. But I also get, you know, listen, like in the black community, um, vaccine misinformation is rampant. 
Um, and and it has been before COVID vaccines were a thing, you know, and and not in the anti-vax way, but just in the, you know, information doesn't come to certain communities in the same way that it comes to other communities. Right. And and the the work that some organizations are trying to do to reach these communities and give correct information um, to, you know, lower educated communities or at, uh, at communities that don't get the same resources that other communities do, I think is good work. But like a lot of times, man, you know, trust is a big part of 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 misinformation. And, uh, you know, and I try to I try to be aware of that as, you know, like my grandmother, for instance, won't get vaccinated. Uh, uh, and it's yeah. like a church thing. It's a church thing. It's a religion thing. It's a church thing. And and so she, her ch- her church is is um it's it's like, like it's like a thing. It's like a it's like a thing of uh you know I I don't I trust God over man type thing right. Yeah. And well, it, what's weird about that to me too, and I, I may have mentioned this on an earlier show, is that. Your grandmother was in the generation that probably stood in a line to get the polio vaccine. Oh yeah, right? she's gotten vaccines before. She's gotten so vaccines before. So it's weird to I... me that they've been experienced a thing where everyone was like, "Oh, get me that fucking vaccine." Yeah. Like I don't I'm just shocked it's trust. by that. It's trust. Yeah. It's yeah. it's a trust thing. It's a is is who do you trust more? What do you trust more? Uh what information do you trust more? Do you and, and and when certain things have burned you before, you tend to say, I don't trust that anymore. I don't trust these organizations. I don't trust the government. I don't trust blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that is part of the misinformation. Uh, so there's two sides that, that I see. There's the misinformation of people who are anti-vaxxers or who are just saying the wildest shit for political reasons. Um, and then there are the communities that... You know, once the communities that don't have the Twitters or, you know, yeah. the cable mm-hmm. news is to listen to. It's just what's circulating in the communities. Uh, like my aunt is like, oh, I heard ooh, my cousin told me the, it, uh, it make you sicker than COVID. And I'm like, where did you hear that? Uh, like, yeah. where did you hear that? <laughs> oh, cousin Joe. Like, uh, cousin right. Joe. I don't give me. Don't tell me what fucking cousin Joe said. Like, that's not yeah. true. You know. Yeah. You, <laughs> but, you mean? Do, do, oh, is it Doctor Cousin Joe? Right. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, okay. you mean cousin Joe who work at the liquor store? And like, I ain't saying nothing about the liquor store, but like, Jim Beam don't give you a, a like, medical he's not degree. Not exactly qualified. <laughs> yeah. Right. But but she trusts cousin Joe. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. So like, right. that's the, that's the thing, and and. Is and once you, and listen, once you get something in your mind up here, it's really hard to break hold of that, you know? Like yeah. I probably know that jumping out of an airplane I'll be okay. But I think I'm gonna die and it's gonna be hard for me to get <laughs> like let that right, right. you know, let that right. go go off. So, you know, it's, well, it's very you frustrating. You mentioned Mark Zuckerberg and the the like the Facebook piece of this I think is so interesting because also you know the the blog post they wrote over the weekend it was called something like let's stop pointing fingers or whatever and and it and it's funny because what Biden said in his statement where he sort of like tamed his his earlier statement about Facebook killing people he also said I hope that Facebook doesn't take this personally because it it's like at no point does Facebook try to disassociate itself from the fact that it is Mark Zuckerberg and that Mark Zuckerberg is Facebook and that Mark Zuckerberg is annoyed at, at the White House. And, anno- you know, it's like, dude, this is a multi-billion dollar, co- I think it's valued at over a trillion dollars, company. And you have thousands and thousands of employees. Yeah. This isn't about your ego. Like, none of this is about you, sir. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so that's the other weird thing about this, which is that we're dealing with a company that has access to billions of people and their minds and is able to manipulate their minds and is able to present them with good or bad information. And... And and can and and studies have shown that specifically with a question of vaccine inter, um, misinformation, and yet 
we have to deal with like blog posts that are like, let's not point fingers, Biden, you know? And it's clearly the hurt, the wounded ego of Mark Zuckerberg, who's like, no, no, I know better because I run, I want this to be a free speech platform and we people should be able to say what they want. Um, Chris, what do you think of you know, Facebook's kind of long-standing position of like, you know, we don't want to um, to get entangled with free speech well, issues. Well, I mean, I'm a big believer in free speech. I think anybody who calls themselves a comedian on some level has to believe in free speech, but there's this thing that's happened in the past five years or so where we've forgotten that there's also consequences that come with free speech. and mm-hmm. And that's I do not understand that. I, that comes up in many levels. Many of these like arguments about like cancel culture and PC stuff. It's like you can say what you want, but there are consequences. And the thing about free speech that I don't quite buy in this case with Facebook is when you read about this disinformation dozen, as they call them, how many of these people have businesses that are holistic, not science-based healing stuff. You go, oh. This is not free speech. This is someone convincing you that science isn't bad. Snake oil. Because instead you should be putting like this smooth rock, egg-shaped rock up your vagina. You know, like that that Gwyneth Paltrow stuff. I know that's not a, that's like a jokey example of a real thing, but it's like, that's different. That's not free speech. That's not someone saying, and I agree, I agree again, communities where you go, oh, you can look into the fact that, yeah, there, there have been communities where the government did medical experiments on people and did not tell them those communities are not going to trust the government when they say put this shot in your arm that's one thing you know that's trust that needs to be earned back um you look at what's happened with all sorts of oppressed cultures where you go oh you were actually used as science experiments that is fucked up and then the information of that's horrible and then when it becomes when that information snowballs on top of that it's hard to surmount that i get that but where it's not free speech is when it's just, um, I know that the number one guy on that doesn't, I wish I could name his name. He's like an actual literal snake oil salesman. Like if this was P.T. Barnum's time, he'd be rolling into uh-huh, your town right, right now with a covered wagon mm-hmm. telling you to drink strychnine to, you know, so that God would cure your epilepsy. Like this is, this is, right. it's the one same thing. One of these people actually still talks about hydrogen peroxide, peroxide or something. Uh, one of the 12 people on that study. Um, and by the way, uh, you know, there was a piece in NPR that was really interesting about like how misinformation actually happens. And so they basically said, step one, you start with a kernel of truth. So yeah. the example they gave That's is that like it. there's um, side there, it, some women have reported side effects in their menstrual cycle after getting the vaccine, which apparently is not uncommon because vaccines work at a cellular level or whatever. So it's like it, it would make sense that your menstruation cycle would respond to that or something, but they just don't have enough information. So we just don't exactly, we can't make a clear causal linkage, right? Um, and so that being, so so they'll say, we, we, we don't know exactly. It makes sense that something would happen. No causal linkage. So the kernel of truth is, there may be an effect between taking the vaccine and your menstrual and your menstrual cycle being weird. Step two, though, is that you get an influencer to spread doubts and questions. So they're not they're like saying, look, I'm not saying there is an effect, but there could be. And so you just start questioning. You start questioning online and then a bit. And what happens and what happened with specifically this menstrual cycle one is that uh, Naomi Wolf picked it up. And Naomi Wolf, who was like a really a renowned feminist, but now renowned anti-vaxxer, um, she picked it up. She's got a huge following. And she's just like, hey, guys, check it out. You know, right. like, I don't know. We need more investigation. So this also gets but this. It's easy to sort of be able to not have facts in there because you're like, it needs more investigation. I just don't know. Right. right? And so you can, it's like easy to kind of spread a lie that way by just saying like, I mean, I don't know, but I feel like we need it. We need more information. This you know? could be it. And and the funny thing about like, to kind of marry these two thoughts together for myself, like when I think of free speech, for instance, I yes, free speech. Great. We, um, <laughs> uh-huh. like, I, I can go into a classroom of children and yell, the sky is green. It's my free speech, right? Um, it's up to the teacher to let those children know that's not true. 
<laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And if I keep coming into the classroom, exercising my free speech, which I have the right to do, and keep saying, the sky is green, children, eventually that teacher has the right to say, you need to stop coming into my classroom. She right. has that right. <laughs> like, And she has that responsibility as well to stop me from giving bad information, even though it's my right to say whatever the hell I want to, is not it's also her right to make sure that bad information doesn't get to the wrong ears, right? So Mark's and, and, and this funny thing about which Biden like makes me upset. Like there's only twelve people. Sure, let it be twelve people. But let's be real. Like one person starts something and then it goes to the next person and then it goes to the next person. So this whole notion that is twelve yeah. people only. No. It's maybe 12 people that you can go ahead and redline back it. to the top, but it's thousands yeah. and thousands and thousands of people that's sharing it between, then you know. share it. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and then it sprouts to a way that's unattainable. And that's on Facebook. <laughs> like, that's yeah. that's on them yeah. to stop that in, in a way that is, that they know they should. That's the part that makes me upset. You know it's what's so right. It's weird. You know what's right. Do it. Yeah. I mean, and, and uh, you know, apparently, like, after the elections and the, and the insurrection stuff, um, I think I can't remember exactly the timeline, but it was around then that the Facebook algorithm people were like, hey, can we make the algorithm like uh, prefer real news sources? Yeah. And they have a list of like real news sources and they have like a score for how good that news source is, right? So the New York Times has like probably a great score or whatever, and then Breitbart probably has a terrible score. So the algorithm... Could can be designed to favor real information, and they did that for a while. And news, and so if people's feeds were just like actual credible information, yeah. <laughs> and they were like, "Oh my god, can like we do this forever?" And then apparently, then they didn't do it forever, and they didn't do it forever because. I bet you just real credible information doesn't keep people glued to the screen the way Naomi Wolf raising questions and being angry does and they know the game and they know and they fucking know and it's that that's where it really that's where it is true that they're killing people right because it's ignorance is awful but even ignorance at the end of the day it, it is is an acceptable everyone in life has moments of ignorance ignorance yeah. that leads to massive profit that's when you go oh this is actual evil when you, when you're yeah. promoting ignorance to sell products or to increase ad potential that's when you might have to look in the mirror and go oh shoot there's some people who are dead and we certainly didn't help it when we could have yeah. And I would argue that that is something that, yeah, someone has to take responsibility for. If I, you know, yeah. the, defi- the, the, de- the dictionary definition of ignorance is uneducated on a matter. And if I know that uneducated, an uneducated take is bringing me money and I am allowing that uneducated take to continue to bring me money. I no longer am absolved in the <laughs> in the yeah. outcome. You are of, at best a dickhead in that yes. situation. Yeah. <laughs> at best. At best. At and best. I can I, and I just like I if I had to just to, to close this out here because uh, we have to we're running out of time. But if I had to ask Facebook for a couple of things, it's be transparent. Like they said, they took down 18 million posts about with misinformation. 18 million out of how many? Right? right. Was it 18 million out of 18 million or what? What are we talking about? Like so, be transparent with the data. Just let us know just let us know we should all know come up with a panel of independent people that can also work with twitter and and um, and tiktok and other platforms and the europeans who are doing more work on this than we are like come up with a panel the way you did for whether or not donald trump should be on uh, the, the on facebook come up with a panel that'll give you these ethical guidelines because it, it's just it's honestly i think it's not that deep it's just whether or not they do it. That's what I what I think, yeah. actually. You know, it's not that deep. You have so much. It's it, it could be not, not, you know, easy, but simple to fix the problem. Um, and you're just not doing it. Yep. Uh, folks, let me know. What would you ask a Facebook to do? Or are you, like, happy with it? <laughs> I haven't spoken to anyone who's happy with it, so I don't know. <laughs> um, let me know what you think. Uh, reach me. 
On Facebook? No, don't reach me on anything. No, but reach me. I love hearing from you all at the same time. These are the conflicting emotions I have. Okay, let us move on to topic number three. So four years ago, there's a story in The New Yorker called Cat Person that went viral, and we talked about it on this very show. And in it, writer Kristen Rupian shared a story of a seemingly fictional character, Margot, who dates an older guy and has sex with him, and the sex isn't great, and the older guy keeps texting her, and it gets ugly real fast because he's she's trying to ghost him, and he doesn't get it or whatever. And then anyway, he ends up calling her a whore and it's really ugly and the story resonated with me personally and I think a lot of women um, because uh, I've been subjected to texting like that right Um, where it just quickly escalates to something really gross Uh, and it came out during the height of the Me Too movement so the just the piece went viral and it was like the first time a fictional piece like that went viral actually Um, well now Another writer by the name of Alexis Nowicki just published a story in Slate called Cat Person and Me, which basically alleges that the specific details of Cat Person were from her life because she had dated an older man. And it turns out that Rupini, uh, I keep forgetting um, the original, the other writer's name, Rupinian, um, had known that guy and uh, used a lot of the details that he had shared to write Cat Person. So, um, and, and now everybody, try, again, like the whole thing uh, kind of reared its head on all of the social medias. Everybody was talking about it. Um, and I guess the, my first question for you guys is, um, do you think there's a problem with Rupinian having used so many details from this real person who she didn't know, right? She only knew secondhand um, to write this story. And we're all comedians here, so I know we've taken, we've <laughs> grappled, we've grappled with this yeah. issue. So what, what, where are you at with yeah. it? I mean, as a, as you know, as somebody in the artistry world, uh, I'll say, <laughs> uh-huh. listen, I, I, I understand, I understand um, taking things. Uh, I, I want to say this delicately. I, I understand taking ideas and inspiration um, from things that you may have heard um, in your life, because that's all we do is we just comment on the things we know, right? Or we comment on those things. On the flip side <laughs> to that, <laughs> though, um when you write a piece like Cat Person, and I had forgotten until I read this article that you sent us uh, and that, that we were talking about, I had forgotten about it. And then when I'm reading, I'm like, oh, I remember this. I remember when this yeah. came out because it yeah. elicited a huge response, right? Huge. A huge response. When you are going to write something that is delicate <laughs> in yeah, that way. yeah, yeah. And when you're going to write something that involves actual emotions that we are talking, like you even brought up, like it resonated with you because you've been there and things like that, I think that you kind of have a responsibility to know that you, if this comes out and like it goes back to the people who you write, you are subjecting them to have their story in any shape, form, or fashion told that they didn't necessarily agree <laughs> to be told. And you have to know that that's a consequ- that, that can happen and that's a consequence. And because of that, you need to do shit like change the fucking names of the things that are in your gut. Like, that's irresponsible. If you're going to do that, then safeguard yourself. But if you're going to start using the same, like, locations and things like that, then you're just kind of being an asshole, I think. Right, it's like a little lazy. I mean, because the interesting thing is the main event of Cat Person was a sexual encounter and then a series of crazy texts, right? Right. That did not happen in real life. Correct. The thing, the thing that is utilized from the real lives of these two people was where she worked and what town they were in and the tattoo on her left shoulder and the art house theater where she had a job and the type of baked goods that the boyfriend would bring. You know, like it was the it was the uh, the the weird little details were all over this piece that. Could, it, to the point where 
her friends kept texting her like, is this story about you yeah. and what's his face? Like, because it was so much of her uh, story and the, and and it described her so thoroughly. Um, and so that's, it's it's true. I mean, because I have you, obviously, like, I don't know, Chris, do you, do you use real people? And how do you do it? Because I sort of Frankenstein elements of different people's lives if I'm going to use something um, so that it's, so that I'm, you know, so that I'm not accused of this. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know I mean? I, my stand-up, I do a lot of storytelling based stuff. Mm-hmm. That's all real life stuff. And Which is great. And he's on tour. Thank not, you not so a big much. Deal. Very good. Tickets on sale now. Tickets on sale. And then I've, I've also written books that have a lot of personal stories in them. And I can say like, I'll never forget um, when I, I, I wrote a book once and I had a lawyer review where they get you on the phone and they talk about all the things you need to change. And this is where I learned a, a lot about it, where um, I'll never, one of the great sentences ever said to me was, um, t- I, there was a, a girl I went to high school with and I made a joke that she um, was like, had had like come back to school after summer and said that she hooked up with a guy underneath a, a boardwalk at the Jersey Shore, mm-hmm. like under it. And the lawyer said, now, did you see her kissing wieners under the boardwalk? Because you say she was kissing wieners. Like, oh, she said she hooked up with a dude. So I'm making a joke. He's like, you cannot use the phrase she kissed wieners under a boardwalk if you personally did not see her kiss wieners what? under a boardwalk. What, really? Like, I can't. Interesting. No, but what I learned then is, yeah. and, and, and what I've learned too in doing stand-up is that because I tell stories where other people were in there and there's two things that have to happen, right? Is one, there's the natural assumption that whoever is the creator of a piece, it's their side of the story. It's their side of the story. And you and you have to allow the breathing room where that's known. And 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 part of parcel with that is you don't have to change too many details about another human being for them to go, cool, thanks. It's actually a pretty <laughs> low threshold. You just don't want to like if you could say if if you're gonna write what someone's tattoo, it's so easy to to just make up a different, very similar tattoo. Yeah, that means this yeah, person will yeah. never receive a text message in their life. And exactly, that's where it's, it's actually really easy. It's actually yes. so easy to be like, oh, they had a bee tattoo. You could change it to a grasshopper, and it's not going to affect the flow or the tenor of your story. No, it's at all. A, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It becomes but a who the, cares situation. I I wrote, uh, you know, I have a book, How to Make White People Love, available now wherever books are sold to get it from an independent bookseller. And I, in that book, I had a similar, I had a lawyer thing, da, da, da. And um, one of the stories, I actually reached out to the person specifically because she's in, um, you know, it was about when we were in college and now she's like a very fancy person and uh, who who's in, in some certain in bureaucratic institutional settings in which she can't have political positions and she can't do this and she can't do that or whatever. So she's pretty limited, you know? And so I was like, Hey, like, this is a really gentle story, but do you want me to change your name? And she was just like, thanks so much for asking. I am like proud of, you know, my friendship with you, but yes, can you please? (laughs) Because I don't know because my boss is in this field I'm in. It's so sensitive, you know? And so I, I, I did that and it wasn't, it's like, I literally just changed her name. Like I changed the name of the other person that was in the story of the three. It was, it it was just it was easy to make those changes to keep everybody safe and like I'm surprised when someone wouldn't go and I get you know one of the things that Nowicki says in her piece is you know I was mad at this person at for at Rupinian at first and then I realized ah she was getting her MFA she was young she was doing a long shot submission know. to the New Yorker she didn't know what was yeah. going to happen. Who, who would ever think that a, a story like Cat Person would become some sort of, you know, English-speaking country-wide uh, sensation, you yeah. know? Yeah. Because getting, but to be fair, going straight to the New Yorker, to, like, just a blind bold. submission, get, that's like getting called up to the major leagues but skipping the entire minor league system, right? Yeah. Right. So, yeah. right. Kids and so you don't know at that I, point. And then also, you know, you both said something really, really interesting. Like, one, Chris, you said that, you know, your lawyer's like, did you see it? Did you see this happen? And you're telling stories from your perspective, right? And this story, Cat Person, was, you know, and in many ways it is, it could be from her perspective because of, 
you know, like we've said, the things that happened in this have happened to many women uh, from very terrible people and men, right? So, like, you know, that part is just kind of like a universal thing that she's writing. But with so many instances of nonfiction in it, it goes from, oh, you're telling somebody else's story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. in a way that you didn't have the right to tell, right? She didn't know, though. She didn't know it was going to, she didn't know she was going to skip the minors and go right to the Cubs and win the World Series in 2016. Because, by the way, not only did she skip the minors, the fucking story got optioned. It's being made into a movie. Like, there's famous people in the movie. And that's where I yes. that's why I lose the sympathy from she didn't know. Because right. you may didn't know when it got picked up, but my girl or you know homie, your shit is being yeah. made into a movie. Right, right. Like right. at this point you reaping the benefits. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So there's something in you that knows. You know now. You know now. And like it shouldn't take somebody after this person passed away, which really shocked me in the story, uh, and her reaching out saying, you know, hey, is this about me? And then you finally, uh, I knew this day would come. All right, here right. we go. Enjoy being right. listed as a creative consultant on IMDb. Oh, right. yes, congratulations on that. Get that sweet creative you know, right. I, I have a friend who was um, recommended to for a host job by another comedian, and he ended up doing this host job, a TV job, for like a few seasons, and he felt really like he owed that guy, you know, for um, for recommending him because he got this job and it was very lucrative. And so for the first year of him being a host on this show, he just sent that guy money, like just a small, I don't remember, let's say 5% of his earnings. He just sent it to that guy because he was like, look, dude, it's like you were essentially my agent. And um, I, I I always think about that because I thought that was such a good and ethical thing to do, you know, um, especially in this business where it's like a lot of people are struggling, you know, for money and for, you know, uh, and it's so confusing and rot where jobs come from and where they go and how you get them. Um, and so I always think of that as like a really good example of an ethical response of an ethical reaction to like something like that. And so, you know, again, uh, uh, hopefully she does have a creative consultancy credit, uh, mm. that has some dollar bills attached to it <laughs> because yeah. it feels like that would be the ethical response, you know, to this situation. And also uh, to that point, one, one thing that just hit my, hit me is, uh, yeah, she deserves that, but she never talked to this person. She, this person, oh, got yeah, all just to be clear, her stuff from him, yep. from the yep. from the guy's perspective, and from Instagram, tricky, right? and yeah, yeah, that's which very is tricky. even trickier. And it's just like so that makes it even worse. It's like not only are you telling my story, you're telling it third hand. You're not yeah. even. Like, <laughs> really, that is so. I mean, it, that's really tricky. It, yeah, and it's, it's a really weird that like brings in the creativity side of it. That's that's so tough because. I've had this in both directions, actually. I've had it where, you know, I'm a creative person who has to know how to responsibly speak about other people on stage while factoring in their anonymity and their comfort yeah. level and, and, and making sure they aren't being made to look bad, you know? Yeah. Um, or if they are looking bad, that I'm making sure that no one no- traces it back to them. I've also had situations, and I'm not a paranoid person, and I'm not mad about it, like... I've told a story on stage in the context of a show that I later saw show up on a TV show mm-hmm. where there were people working mm-hmm. on that TV show who were at the theater that night where I told the story and we right, had some right. uncomfortable conversations about that. And and yep. I've had that happen too, you know? Um, I was in a movie, I, I was in a very funny situation where I opened for Mike Birbiglia for 2014 and... Um, I remember we would be like driving all over the Midwest together and he started asking me a bunch of questions about what was it like doing improv on a team with Bobby Moynihan when Bobby Moynihan got cast on SNL. It came up a couple times. I was like, and they're pretty interesting stories, but I was like, I'm surprised you're like this interested in this. (laughs) Cut to. He was writing a movie, but he cast me in the movie and gave me a creative consultant thing there it is that's again like the ethical consideration i think that was 
well yeah, done. He I mean, was like, do you looking, feel that way? Oh, for sure. Like when he goes, I'm writing a movie about a guy who gets SNL, um, effectively gets, you know, don't think twice. It was a movie about a, a guy who's from the improv scene and he gets success and the rest of the group has to reconcile it. And he's going, so you kind of lived through that. But yes, at a certain point he goes, so I'm writing a movie. Is it cool? if this stuff like versions of this bubble to the surface and I go, yeah, sure. Cause we're talking about it and you're letting me know that I, he said, I can't guarantee you'll be in the movie, but I'm going to fight for it. And he said, and I'll make sure that on some level there's, and I want to be clear, he wasn't transcribing my things. That movie has the majority right. of it is someone else's thing, but there are ways to, there are ways to bring real life into it without, you know, whether it's, masking details whether it's giving credit there's any number of ways where you don't have to make someone write their own essay that also goes viral and you know because you were fucking weird (laughs) exactly there's ways of doing it well by the way if you want to steal any of chris's stories you can go see him Mm. do stand up (laughs) 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 because he's on a, a very big tour right now all right uh that is the end of the show Oh, my God, you guys. Thank you so much for being with me. You are both so utterly delightful. And because of your utter delight, I would love for the people of Fake the Nation to be able to follow you and all of the wonderful stuff that you do. Jaquise, where do they do that? Oh, well, listen, first of all, thank you for having me back. It's always a pleasure. Um, you're great, so I appreciate thank you. Thank you. Jaquise Neal on everything. J-A-C-Q-U-I-S-N-E-A-L. Easiest way to find me. If I'm not in these streets, that's where you can get at me. <laughs> and remind me, remind us the name ah, of your podcast. Yes, the cast. The cast with Ray and Jackies. Uh, we cover big moments in reality television history. And from those moments have built a cast of 12 of the top reality stars of all time. Um, we just wrapped up our season one, uh, literally within the past week of this coming out or so. So, um, it's uh, a headgum show, by the way. So show. we are yeah. uh, show sisters and brothers. Yes. Yeah, so go check it out. Siblings. It's fun. We have a good time. We have a good ass time. Uh, Chris Gethard, where do people find well, you? When I'm not out on these streets. You can find me at uh, chrisgeth.com, Chris Geth on Instagram, Chris Gethard on Twitter and Facebook. And uh, if you're if if you're looking to come to a live show, I'm I'm probably coming to your city. And all the ticket links are at chrisgeth.com. Chrisgeth.com, go because you know, seeing him live is so fantastic. All right, uh, folks, and you know where to find me and all the stuff that we do. But what I would really like to do is thank all of the wonderful people that make this show happen. That's our fantastic producer, Julia Linden, our wonderful audio engineer, Stephanie Aguilar, all of the people at HeadGum uh, that are so just downright great. The theme music is written by Gabby Alter. And uh, like I said up top, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts because it helps people find the show. Email us at fakethenation at headgum.com with ideas you might have about guests or topic ideas or just anything you want to say to me at all. Uh, join the Patreon for bonus content. You can do that at patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. And, um, oh, and tell your friends. We would love it if you told your friends. We'll be back in your earballs next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.